Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. So good morning. How about a little bit of North Carolina history in the form of Mayberry, North Carolina? Pretty much everyone's favorite NC memory. But your Fighting Irish today hope to create another good memory of North Carolina. It won't be easy. North Carolina is scoring at a phenomenal 51.3 points per game. We don't want any part of a scoring war. The good thing is that the Tar Heels are ranked near the bottom of every defensive category. We'll talk about today's game, memories and stories with our guests, and we'll have some fun with that now infamous phone call between Coach Reese and Drew Pine. On our show today, we'll be joined by former players Tyler, Tyler Newsom, Corey Miner, Bob Thomas, Mike Golick Jr., and from Chapel Hill, we'll be joined by the team orthopedic physician, Dr. Brian Radigan, with a last-minute report. It's a full show, and we're so happy you are here listening with us. With Jim Irizarry, I'm Tim Growl. And this is indeed the Legacy Heating the Air, Day, Air Game Day show. Good morning, Jim. Hi, Tim. How oh, are you? I'm fine. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, excited. Uh, you mentioned a 51-point uh, uh, average yeah. for North Carolina. Uh, but, you know, terrible defense. Mm-hmm. You're saying we got a shot. Yes, we do. <laughs> You're saying we got a shot. We're not gonna. We're not gonna win in a forty to. You oh know, no, no, they've they've, score. they've got to get stops on yeah, defense. Unfortunately, the defense has been playing well enough this right. year anyway. But uh, excuse me. Um, yeah, they they've got to get stops on defense. They they can't get into a back and forth mm-hmm. because they'll lose that game. Well, Notre Dame got the memo that. Right. You were the jinx for the first three games in here, yeah. and it was uh, tough up in that press box. But last week, it was a lot of fun with Reggie, I bet. It was great. It was great. Reggie Man. is in a good mood. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> we, were, we were both in, uh, in, in, in fantastic moves, although we were, you know, each grabbing like a paper bag just trying to breathe into sure. it, you know, breathing in and out of it right. with uh, the way that game ended. But... Um, yeah, afterward we were like, they gotta win. The monkeys off their back as far as you know, trying to get Coach Freeman's first win and you know all that stuff. Let's just go out and play some football now. The coaches got the memo. I checked with them this week, and they said they are going to try to make Jim and Reggie happy. <laughs> <laughs> so that was right on top of their clipboard. But hey, you know what? It was uh, that that phone call was infamous. We were going to have some fun with some music during the show, <laughs> the rest of the show, or whatever. But we had to start off the little North Carolina. Did but they say it that cleanly? By the way, <laughs> we 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 want to make them happy, or were there other words added? There in were there? other words. Okay, but, uh, I'm a family show too, so we <laughs> right. have to we have to cover that up. Got to got to protect the license. Yeah, actually, I think Tommy might actually be putting a, a sock or a hat over the microphone or the camera. <laughs> I mean, this week. Anyway. Our first guest is a, uh, a punter extraordinaire. I mean, he had Notre Dame, his career, I'll, I'll go through the records uh, a little while later on, but we want to bring on the show is uh, Tyler Newsom. Good morning, Tyler. Tyler Newsom. Hey, good morning, guys. Sorry about the trouble joining. Uh, looks like I finally got on. I'm happy to be here and uh, 
happy to talk a little football, some memories, and uh, fun fact to get this started. Uh, I was living in St. Petersburg, Florida for a while, um, about nine months, and uh, it was during the COVID year, and uh, I actually would turn on the radio. I would stream the radio game on my phone, and I did a lot of fishing, uh, and I would listen to the radio in St. Petersburg and listen to the games, uh, so that's how I'd keep up with the games when I was in St. Pete for our day games. I would listen to it via the radio. So hey, I'm really happy to be here and excited. Fishing and, and fishing football on the radio. What better combination? What better combination? Hey, Tyler, I'm going to fit the first question. Sorry, we're getting a little echo here. Um, did you ever receive a phone call from the coaching booth like the one Drew got in your career? Tyler, are you there? Tyler, are you there? We got a little technical thing. We'll try to clear that up here while we're doing that. Hey, are you there back, Tyler? Tyler? Yeah, can you guys hear me? Now I can hear now you. Now I can hear you. All right. All right. Okay, great. So the first question uh, first is, did you ever get a phone call get... like that from the coach's booth like Drew got last week? I'm sure you you saw that last week or have heard about it. Yes, sir. I saw it. I was <clears throat> I was, uh, I hadn't, I was, was never really on the phones, um, but, you know, things get heated out there. It's a passionate game, and um, everyone works so hard there, and uh, – you know, I think it was just the uh, the whoever was running the camera caught it at the right time. But uh, you know, it's uh, it's football. That's life. It's it sure is. Criticism. Sure is. And I know Coach Reese wants the best for the guys, and he's uh, such a hardworking individual and passionate man that you know it, it happens to everybody when you love what you do, you wear your heart on your sleeve, and you know it's that's football. So uh, it's you know I was a uh, you know it's it's a realistic part of the game. And isn't it a case that everybody gets motivated differently? Some that won't work on, but he knew Drew and him had already had a discussion about that. Drew wants to be coached hard, so he was ready for that. Coached hard, so he was ready for that. Yes, sir. I think, uh, yeah, just to echo your point, every player is different, but I think our coaches and that staff, you know, they spend such quality time with these young men that they really know what, what makes them tick and what makes them fire. And, you know, for, for me, I, I was the same way as Drew. I, I wanted you to tell me if I was playing bad, tell me bad. It's going to fire me up, get me in the right space and tell me I need to be better because, um, you know, and some guys, they respond differently. And I think, uh, I think our coaches do a good job of understanding these young men and know that that doesn't work for everybody, but it, it certainly does for a lot of guys work for, you know, work for me. Uh, uh, I was, uh, I was like just to, uh, keep it up front if I was playing bad let me know I usually was my own worst critic but nothing wrong with lighting a little fire we're with Tyler Newsom. he went to high school in Georgia hey you know all of us played football as kids whatever and it seems like every now and then everybody had a chance to punt the ball nobody wanted to and we were all terrible when did you know that punting was something that you could do good um Gosh, I think it for me in my senior year in high school was my first year punting. I was a place kicker prior to that. And um, stop, me, stop, uh, stop right there. Stop right there. So not till you were a senior did you start punting. Wow. Yes, wow. Okay. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Sorry. You know, I had still like you guys mentioned, I had still way out kick field goals punting back and but you know, getting game reps um, for the varsity team wasn't really until my senior year and um, so for me it was, you know, when I got in that car accident, uh, when I was a junior in high school I was on crutches and all I could do was, you know, have a football and do drops and do drills. And I said, you know, I might as well try and see if I can do this. And then, uh, you know, came back to it and, you know, I got better at those drills and, you know, didn't put my junior year, but really started to believe in myself. And uh, then uh, that summer of my junior year, it kind of took off and uh, punting, you know, started to surpass my kicking. And then uh, I went to the camp in Notre Dame and 
uh, coach offered me and, uh, you know, I was pretty upfront with him. I'm an honest guy. So I said, Hey coach, listen, you know, I haven't punted in a game, but I can promise you, you know, this is where I want to be. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to get a scholarship that day and, uh, you know, never look back. I'm, I'll be Irish till I die. So tying that together, Jim, from last week. So we had Alan Ross on. You probably recognize that name, Tyler. So he was on, said he caught his first punt in the first game at Notre Dame. He had never caught a punt before. He was a quarterback in college. So now you're telling me your first punt was in college and we got a guy that returned punts <laughs> for the first time. So um, the the offer I got was before my senior year, but, you know, we were a good team. And, I I mean, I came into Notre Dame with 20 game reps for punts. We punted 20 times my senior year. That was it. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, coming into Notre Dame, I had less than, you know, 21 punts. You know, I had 20 punts total. So um, it was still new to me, and I was grateful to have a guy like Kyle Brinzer when I came in and really, you know, get a year under him and learn from him. Um, and, you know, all the other punters that came before me and everybody that came back was always such – a resource to me and uh, really helpful and um, you know I just couldn't uh, that specialist group was uh, you know it was a great group of guys that really cared for you and I think that really made that transition from my redshirt year to kind of put me in a good spot to go in and try and succeed my sophomore year. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day Show on 960 WSBT. We're talking with 2018 team captain Tyler Newsom. So what brought a southern Georgia boy up to cold Indiana? Uh, yes, sir. That's a great question. So, you know, I was, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to go to, a, well, it's not kind of, I, I wanted to go to a school, um, you know, on scholarship. And then I also put academics at the forefront um, because I knew one day football would come to an end and I wanted to be in a spot to go in the business world and succeed. And I, uh, you know, it's, it's a funny story. I ended up getting an email from Scott Booker, who was a special teams coordinator at the time, saying, hey, we may be looking at a punter, kickoff guy, um, you should come up. So then, you know, my aunt worked for Southwest. She got us buddy passes on a plane. And then, you know, the, right before the plane was going to take off, we weren't on. The flight was full. And then three minutes before the doors closed, they're hey, you guys can get on. And um, so my dad and I went up to South Bend and, you know, um, he got us to the hotel. And I, I was going to pay for the camp. I was working as a lifeguard. I had $150. The camp was 125 <laughs> online. So I said, all right perfect you know I'll, I'll have 25 bucks for food i'll be good snacks you know all that good stuff and then they said oh walk up registrations 150 dollars." So i said well this is literally me putting it all on the line so okay you know i went to work on monday anyways but uh and then later that day um you know coach kelly offered me a scholarship and uh it was mainly because bob elliott at the time uh, they'd mm-hmm. chosen four guys to go punt in front of coach kelly i wasn't one of them but bob elliott uh saw me punting with the other group and brought me and put me in front of coach Kelly and, uh, Kyle Brins as well. Excuse me. Kyle Brins and Bob Elliott, uh, you know, brought me in, in front of coach Kelly and kind of gave me that shot and it went well. And, you know, that's that afternoon he offered me a scholarship. So I'll always say I'll never be able to make a better $150 investment. I would say, I would say so. So it, there was no cold weather though, when you were up here for that, correct? Oh, no, it was June. It was a beautiful day. I mean, I, I still had the photo on my phone. I remember walking around, and if the Lord's going to bless me to give me a chance to be here, I said, I'm not even thinking twice about it. This is where I want to be. And um, I remember taking my official visit. Uh, I went unofficial for the BYU game in 2013 where it was freezing, and, I, and that's how I knew I loved Notre Dame because I didn't care. 
my stepdad was there with me. So I said, listen, son, I'm going to go watch it in the Goog. I said, all right, I'm staying here. Like, I love Notre Dame. The cold never bothered me. What was hard for me was learning how to walk on the ice when uh, when I got up there. But once I got the hang of that, I was on the way. So, uh, you know, it's it's all good. And uh, Can you remember that first kick in the stadium when it was cold and windy? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, you know, you get out there for warm-ups and you, you hit a ball and, like oh that's going straight down so you uh it, it, you know it makes you adjust for sure and uh you know it's um you're just so grateful to have came across so many great coaches mentors you know my professors and everyone in notre dame was you know such an instrumental part of developing me into who i am today and i couldn't you know i can't speak to where it's like anywhere else but i can say that notre dame changed my life and uh you know, I was so grateful in the community of South Bend as well. I love South Bend. I actually worked at uh, Danny Boys uh, as a bartender. Oh, wow. Yeah, wow. Okay. Yeah, for about months. Uh, so here, here's a, a little unsolicited plug to whoever's listening. Go check out Danny Boys today. Uh, used to work there for a while. Ended up giving him one of my old jerseys when I left. It's on the wall. And uh, <laughs> I love that place. I go back every time I'm there. And um, so I have a great relationship with uh, – a lot of my good friends from South Bend and, you know, the, the owners at the time. And uh, so really great relationship uh, from that place. So loved it. I love South Bend, you know, and the community as a whole and how everyone rallies around Notre Dame is so special. And, uh, you know, it creates a bond that I love South Bend. I always say, you know, it's five, seven, four versus the world. And uh, we're always going to go down swinging. So. Tim and Jim with former fighting Irish record holder for career punt average. Let me get this correct. 44.2 yards and a single-game record holder of 59.6 yards against Vanderbilt in 2018. Did we lose you, Tyler? Oh, there you are. Oh, there you are. Okay. Um, yeah, I, m- I remember watching those games, obviously, and stuff too, but uh, I did not know that you had these, the single single record for a game. What do you think of our partner this year? And I'm sorry, his name, Jim, <laughs> I forget his name right now. He's John doing Sott. quite well. What is it? John Sott. Sorry, thank you. Sorry, John, thank you. So, um, John, uh, I actually got introduced to John um, right as he was kind of looking at Notre Dame. I was living in the Philadelphia area, and he's from you know from the New, Jer- New Jersey area. So, I got introduced to him. Was able to go you know hit the ball around with him. I think we we got a maybe two or three training sessions in, and John Sod is one of the hardest workers I you know I've been around in the punter position. He's uh, dedicated to his craft, and he is uh, one of the most coachable guys too. And um, you know, it's it's really great seeing him succeed because I saw what he could do back in March and, you know, April. And when he was back from Harvard, he would come down and we were if we were in the area at the same time and we were able to hit. So we got a good couple sessions in and uh, it was uh, I think he's great. <clears throat> and I think what's so special about John with the with the average viewer who doesn't really know punting to that level might not know is that if you watch him, his form is the same every time. And that's really the sign of a great punter. He's very consistent. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think he, you know, and it's also great <clears throat> watching him, excuse me, watching him on the field, his body language. And, you know, he never gets too high, never gets too low. And he's very even keel. And I, I'm I'm excited to watch him. He'll play extremely well today. That's, that's my take right there. He's been doing well all year. And, uh, you know, if you guys are watching at home, watch how his form looks the same every time. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Good he point. Is, he yeah. is kind of robotic. Robotic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you another question, but first I want to preface it with, on pro day, you benched 30 presses of 225 pounds, and that was more in the college game days 
of the following people. You benched more than they did. Khalil Mack, Joe Thomas, Rob Gronkowski, Javon Cloney, Von Miller, and there's a whole slew of them. So, obviously pumping that weight and stuff. What other position, if you weren't a punter, would you like to use that strength at? Oh, well, uh, I always had the utmost respect for the offensive and defensive line. These guys, uh, they're the grinders. They're in the trenches. They don't get enough credit. Um, and uh, so I think it would be cool, you know, in another life if I had an extra 100 pounds to uh, to be on the O-line with those guys. You know, they always <laughs> have such a great bond and such a great group of guys. And, um, you know, I think it's so great Coach E stands back. He is one of the uh, one of the greatest men that, I, you know, I got the pleasure of being around. He is uh, – He's great for the program. I'm so happy that he, you know, he's back and uh, at Notre Dame, and he is, uh, he's great. So really pumped to have him back, and uh, so excited about the coaching staff in general. And I think Notre Dame is going to do great this year. I'm, I'll never bet against us. So you're, you're always going to get positivity out of me. Oh man, oh, you, you can't, you can't, can't beat can't them. Beat They're going to need that positivity uh, today. So do you get up to very many games or go to any of the away games? What's uh, yes, sir. So I'm living in Boston now, working for SAP and sales. And, uh, you know, uh, I plan on hopefully going back for a, for a game later in the season this year. Uh, I'm not sure uh, which one yet, but the last couple of years outside of the COVID year, I went to Georgia Tech last year, which was awesome. And then against BC in right, 2019. Right. And um, any time to go back and just reconnect with, you know, former teammates and see them in person and see everyone doing well, it really warms the heart. And uh, that place has so many fond memories, and you know it's funny. You don't really remember specific puns or plays, but you know you remember you have memories of the guy, the guys, and you know all you know all going through the same thing. And um, you know I was I, w- I woke up this morning pretty early, about four thirty, and got I uh, went to the Harvard Stadium uh, up here in Boston, ran the stadium steps up there, and you know got through the stadium, and I was like, all right, I got a couple more in me. You know we I remember you know I was thinking back at one point we ran the whole Notre Dame stadium so I was like I can get a couple more reps here and uh <laughs> you know grateful to uh grateful to have all those memories and be around uh the coaching like I mentioned coaching staff professors excuse me professors and mentors um truly a special place it goes very it goes fast very here fast. we got about 30 seconds so how do you get treated in Boston land Boston College and Notre Dame what a rivalry yeah, yeah, everyone up here is pretty pretty friendly, surprising. I know everybody says the Northeast is different, but uh, everyone's been nice and kind to me, and I think, you know, you put positivity out there, you get it back in return. So I, I have nothing but good things to say about Boston, and uh, I like hustle and bustle. People work hard up here, and, you know, people ask me, are you worried about the cold? I said, listen, I've dealt with South Bend cold, so I, I can, I can <laughs> handle the Boston nothing. cold. Well, I appreciate appreciate your your positivity, and uh, I'd like to have you back at some point or whatever if you got time, but we appreciate you taking the time today. Like I said, it goes too fast. Yes, sir. Well, thank you guys for having me, and uh, score prediction today, Irish win by 14. You heard it here first. We'll take it. We'll take it. Thanks, Tyler. Tyler. All right, stay with us. After a short break, we'll be back with former linebacker Corey Miner on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. Well, there's our first little fun with that phone call. <laughs> call me maybe? No, I think that was a definite phone call. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I I haven't I haven't seen a rage like that since uh, I saw my mom do that like uh, to a telemarketer. Yeah. Stop calling during dinner. 
turning that, you know, the same kind sure. of veins popping out. Sure. Yeah, sure. That's... Well, it worked. <laughs> and as we said before, and we'll ask our next guest too, every player gets motivated in a different way. Our next guest is, well, hold, we've got a couple of yep. sponsors there that uh, keep us le- on the air. Yep, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, of course, powered by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also by Centier Bank, Indiana's largest private family-owned bank. South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana, Hunger is a Story We Can End. Learn more at feedindiana.org. So Corey Miner was a linebacker uh, on Notre Dame, and he's got all sorts of records, which we'll, we'll get into. But first of all, we're going to ask Corey Miner, and you're out in California, right, Corey? I am. I and am. I am so yes, sorry. I, I normally tried to connect with California people on our 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard <laughs> no Time worries. game. So thank you so much for getting that's no like worries. me. That's like me trying sometimes the Hawaiian guys, you oh, know, man. yeah, even even at 2 or 4 is tough for them. But in any case, sure. we were talking with uh, Tyler Newsom just before you came on. And, and obviously a lot have been talking about that phone call. But as we discussed, every player gets motivated in a different way. What was your motivation? Sure. Was it a tough love or was it a little more cooperative conversation um it was more cooperative conversation uh whether it was Lou Holtz or Bob Davey you didn't have to yell at me screaming at me I knew what I needed to do uh but you know it was something about Lou you know my first two years there <laughs> the Lou playing for, uh, he had this innate ability to make you feel like you're absolutely amazing you can do the work you can you know run through a brick wall and, and so for me that really got me going um I would spend more time you know in the locker room by myself I was a very quiet person before a game uh but for sure Lou was a uh, uh, definitely a a major factor in my motivation and inspiration for sure. And we'll we'll start where you're at right now and uh, go back to your career or whatever, but I'm Facebook friends with you, and I see your motivational quotes about about every day. So what are you doing right now? Yeah, so I've been blessed. I'm actually a high school coach. Um, I do a few things. So I've been coaching high school head coach out in Orange County for the last six years. Um, I have a, a pretty successful uh, training company. I train a lot of companies, you know, I have sales teams and things of that nature, you know, how to drive employees in the nature. And I have an M&A company where I buy and sell different uh, companies like HPC companies, electrical, uh, concrete, and trucking companies. So pretty busy, uh, but uh, truly blessed. So how do you come up with your inspirational sayings that you, you post? You know, just, just life, right? I think I've, all, I've, been all, I've been knocked down my whole life and I had to get back up. And so uh, different things that I, I try to remember or recall, um, again, Lou Holtz, I have many, many mentors in my life who really affected me and helped me get to where I'm at today. And so um, I just try to think what's, what's on my mind. And really, I say things remind myself. Mm-hmm. So it's not, you know, I, I might get on there and talk about, you know, don't be afraid to be great or, or take a risk today. I'm, I'm talking to myself, too, not just, not just the whole world. And so I'm reminding myself to do those exact same things as well. Well, they're very inspirational. Like I said, it's 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 uncanny. Some days when you post those, they'll almost fit something exactly what I'm doing in life or where I'm at in life. So I appreciate I appreciate, appreciate seeing those. <clears throat> Excuse me. Thanks. So let's go back to coming out of California. You played at uh, Bishop's Amat Memorial, which is a very good team. I th- I believe they're still a very good team. Are they not out there? Yes. Yeah. They are. They are. Yes. So we always like to ask people, like we just asked uh, Tyler down in Georgia, warm climate, or Alan Rossum that came out of Texas. What's a California boy doing? It was it came to South Bend, Indiana. Since I was six years old, I have dreams of Notre Dame. Uh, that's what I want to do. I would sit every Saturday morning, Indian style, glued to the TV, the fight song, the pageantry, the Golden Dome. I would yell, "Go Irish!" And I'm like, "Hey, calm down. You wake the neighbors up." And so I, I, would, I would literally sit there 
you know, every single Saturday I have six, seven, eight bowls of Calvin Crunch cereal, and I'd be drawn into the seat. I said, Mom, I'm so annoyed with anyone. He's like, really, not even coordinated. It's not possible. You know, and I was like, Mom, I'm going to find a way. He's like, there's no way you're going there, Mom. Mom, I don't care what you're saying. I'm going to find a way. And, and God is good, and, and some hard work paid off, and I made it happen. But since I was six years old, that was my destination. Were you able to have any, uh, any good-natured, ha, told you so, moments with Mom? <laughs> Oh, I did for sure. Mom, my, my whole family. <laughs> wow. You know, my family, my friends in high school, no one believed me. It's okay, right? Like, you know, single single mom. You you know, raised you know raised um, you know, not with the best of things, but mm-hmm. but tons of love and support. And, and so it was my dream. And I knew that at the end of the day, for me to make it happen, I had to work towards it. And so as people saw me put that work in on Saturdays and Sundays, and like no parties, no girls. <laughs> like straight homework, straight football. I think people are like, okay, this guy's really serious. Like he's really going at it. And I, my mom really knew when she would call the gym owner on Sunday, like, hey, Jerry, you know, can you send Corey home? Well, Kimmy's not done yet. Well, Jerry's been up for seven hours. <laughs> he's still working out, you know. And so um, it was just a passion of mine, dream of mine. I was going to make it happen. Tim and Jim talking Notre Dame football with former Notre Dame four-year starting linebacker and 1998 team captain Corey Miner here on Sports Radio WSBT. So a little more to that story. Your mom pulled you aside during that recruiting trip and had some things to say to you, did she not? Yeah, it's funny because that's still, that's still on, on the internet today. And people still message me that and, and they, they'll, they'll see it and send me the clipping. I don't know where it's at, somewhere on page you know, 700 of Google. But it's, it's still there. And so, yeah. So, Bob Camille at the time, who I got real close oh, with. Oh, he's a great guy. Uh, yeah. Great guy. So, no Dame was smart. They said, listen, we cannot let Corey get out in the cold. They were really smart. So, when I, when I flew into South Bend, it, it was like, it was awful. It was like 20, like 20 degrees, snowing. It was horrible, right? So, they, they backed up the, the van of the van to the airport door. So, I went from in the airport to the van. I had, they wouldn't let me go outside. Oh, my right? goodness. So was this a windowless van? Yeah, it's like espionage. <laughs> they, 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 got, they put the van on the curb. They, they opened the doors. I went right from the airport inside the van. It was unbelievable. Uh, me and my mom. And so we get to the Joyce at the time. We had a big dinner for all the recruits at the Joyce Center. And again, they, they went on the curb and backed the van up to the Joyce door. And I walked right inside, right? They were smart. They knew, like, if Corey got on the code, he's, he's not coming here. Right? He got a point for it. And here's, here's what's ironic, though, is that evening I went out with Clifford Stroud, Ronaldo Wynn, um, Sean Wooden, and a couple of the uh, recruits, and we got a flat tire. <laughs> so we were out in the cold, rain, you know, it, it was snow, and it was awful sleet. And I was like, this isn't that bad. And, oh. and it's because the guys, like the guys I was around were so awesome. Like the weather didn't matter anymore. It was like, this is where I want to be. This is absolutely cool, you know. And so <laughs> that story stretches on where on Saturday morning we had academic day, and my mom says, Bob, we're going to walk. And Bob's like, no, Miss Byron, you can't walk. It's like, Bob, we're going to walk. Miss Byron, no, you can't. Bob, you already said we're going to walk. Okay, Kim, okay, Kim, got you. Um, so we're they better listen to your mom, right? They, they, Bob, right? Exactly. Bob need to listen we're to your mom. To <laughs> so true. Uh, walking to the library, and my mom says, Corey, you see that kid over there? I said, Mom, what kid? The kid way over there. I said, yeah. She says, what? You see what he has? I said, what, Mom? He has a coat. I can buy you a coat, but I can't buy you, I can't buy you any education. You need to come here. And that was a story. That's a great story. That's a great story. Mm-hmm. One of the better ones that I've heard all these years uh, that have been doing this. So you get into Notre Dame, and like you said, you're getting motivated by uh, Coach Holtz, and uh, uh, you started as a freshman, correct? 
Correct, yes. So how is it all of a sudden, I mean, you're less than 12 months away from standing in a high school stadium at a linebacker yeah. position to all of a sudden be, probably were you still 18 as a freshman? I was still 18. Yeah, yeah. I was still 18. Exactly right. What kind of the feeling um, was that running out there in the field and then actually taking that position? I tell you what, I I was scared out my wits. <laughs> and, and, and Robert Farmer, uh, I told him years ago, he had no, he had no idea. He helped me tremendously because first my, my first thought was like, okay, everyone who's, who said I wouldn't do it and then said, okay, he did it. Like, oh, well, he's not going to do well there, right? So I figured my first day at NBC, I, I, I missed 18 tackles. You know, <laughs> I, I, you know, I was worried about my friends looking at me on TV like, this guy sucks. How did he get to Notre Dame, right? I was so worried about that. But Robert Farmer really cooled me. He says, Corey, because we didn't know who started. It was between me, me and John me and John McLaughlin, who was between him and I, who was going to start. They didn't tell us yet until I actually got in the locker room. So some time went by, and Lou Holtz walked over to me and said, hey, you got to start. And I went right to the restroom. Like, like, <laughs> and uh, I came back, and Robert goes, hey, he said, what Lou said? He says, hey, I'm starting. He says, Corey, go show him why you're starting. And that really, it, it hit a trigger with me. Uh, that just made me feel at home. It made me feel in the moment. You know, Lou Holtz always says, what's important now? Uh, right? It made me feel in the moment, you know, be where your feet are. And, and so I went and actually had a pretty good, pretty good uh, freshman game. Um, but, yeah, you're talking about scary, you're talking about nervous, you know, all of it, anxiety, you name it, I had it. This is the Legacy Heat and Air Game Day Show. We're with second-ranked all-time leader in sacks, 22.5, and that would be Corey Minor. Actually, to add to that, you had 245 tackles in your career, over 40 tackles for loss, and then that 22.5 sacks, which wasn't broken until Justin Tuck, right? Yep, yeah, yeah, Justin Tuck. Um yeah, he, he, I was I was there for a long time. I knew at some point he'd come get me. And I'm glad he did. <laughs> I, I, I saw him on. I was down on the SE game uh, years ago when he was playing, and I, 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 you know, we had we had exchange for a minute. But uh, it's funny. I didn't even know I was. I didn't even know I was a leader. I had no idea. Um, and so, until actually Greg Madison years ago was like, "Hey, do you know you're like the leader for Satch?" I was like, "Oh, I am." <laughs> um, <laughs> you just tackle the tackle, right? That's all you're yeah, doing. Right? You know, and uh, Ross Browner is number one, but I'm second on tackles for losses as well. And so, you know, to have those two accomplishments with the people that are in front of me, just and, and the guys who played there, I'm just, I'm, I'm just honored. So, what uh, in in that position and stuff? So, what were your favorite, the favorite, or a couple favorite rivalries that you have? Was it the traditional like uh, Southern Cal and whatever, or was it like the Navy, or just any team from California that you were playing? Sure, sure. You know. Of course, USC being from California, that was always fun to go back home, especially. It was like a home game. For me. I needed like 400 tickets every time. That was always a stressful week because everybody wanted to come to the game. Oh, you guys didn't believe me. Now you want to come to the game, right? Um, so that was always a stressful <laughs> week. Um, Ohio State was always a fun ride. We just could never beat them. Uh, Michigan State, the same way. Could never beat them. It was a very physical game. But I would say always that the Army, the, the, the Navy, and, and the Air Force, uh, I appreciate their service because every time we played them, I was always the most sore. Because they never quit. Mm-hmm. I mean, it could be forty-five to zero, and they're still playing like a zero-zero first quarter. You're like, man, can you please just stop? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? uh, of course, uh, that's why they serve our country. And I, I'm, 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 I'm in debt to them for that. Uh, but yeah, there's some great memories from the games. But USC probably for me is the biggest one as far as you know being an LA kid. How was that transition between Colts Holtz and Colts Davy? Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Listen, I, I think I think Bob 
he has to take that job because he got, he got offered the job, right? You right. can't, you couldn't turn it down, right? I mean, listen, I'm a high school coach. If Notre Dame offered me offered the job to me today, right. I'd take it, right? Mm-hmm. Probably not prepared for it, probably not ready for it. And a little over his head. Job, yeah, it's a job you just can't pass up, and he did what he could do. Um, I thought he was a phenomenal coordinator. That head coach's job in Notre Dame was just a different animal. And Lou would, Lou would always say, so listen, says, I wish I could just coach football. i got to sign 1,000 balls before I go to practice. Like, what coach in the country has to worry about signing 1,000 balls right, right before right. practice? Yeah. Right. And so there was always stuff that that took away from the field, and I knew he, and he talked about that with me a lot because I was always in his office a lot. And so again, you got a guy like Bob Davis again. You know, great X to nose understands the game. It's just that's a hard position to have. Sure is. Right. Yeah. With, with, yeah. You know, it's just it's chew, it's chewed up some of the best people, right? You know. Yeah. Yeah. You're you're you're, you're exactly right, and it's so demanding. Right? I remember I think when I was playing, I heard the top three uh, hardest jobs in the world. Were air traffic controller and Notre Dame head coach and president. <laughs> I believe it. I, I, believe, I, I believe it. it. Yeah. It's so true, right? You know, Jerry Faust just bleeds Notre Dame to this day, right? He's the best representation yeah. of Notre Dame, but that just was yeah. too big of a job. Yeah, it's huge. It's huge. So let's go you're to right. this year and get your take on what, what you're seeing. Uh, what have you seen so far? And then I'm going to ask you, what do we need to do today? But what do you sure. think so what far? Yeah, no, no. Appreciate the question. I think, listen, I. You know, how I say this, it's tough to go there and beat them. I thought, I thought the defense played very well. Um, the bottom 21 points. I thought the offense, you know, looked in flashes here and there, looked pretty darn good. Uh, just needs more consistency there. Um, and then, listen, let's be honest, Marshall's not the same Marshall. With this, with this, with this portal, I mean, they got 40 kids. Yeah. And yeah. many of them came from Power 5 conference. They're not right. the same Marshall when I played. So you got to remember that. These times we get so fixated, oh, actually, it's Marshall. And I get it. We should be Marshall. I'm not saying we should lose the Marshall, but they have different players. Sure and is. it's different now than it used to be when I played and, and before then. And so um, I'm, I'm excited about Freeman. I met Freeman last summer. Uh, great guy. We spent some time together uh, at the camp in Notre Dame. And, and listen, I, I believe he's our guy. And I know he can do it. I'm rooting for him. Again, it's just not, it's not an easy task. We just talked about it, right? That job as head coach Notre Dame, it's just not easy. It's a lot of commitment. You're being pulled in different directions from different people, right? And you're still trying to coach football and build young men, and that's not easy to do. I believe he'll do it. I believe he'll get it done. Uh, again, it's just not hard. I mean, it's, it's, not, it's not, not easy. It's hard. All right, so you're the captain of the team today, and you're talking to your defense just before the game, or, or you're out in the position. What do you see that you have to, the team has to do today on defense? Sure. Defense-wise, keep getting pressure. I thought last week was a great job with those guys up front getting pressure. Uh, our secondary continue, continue, continue to keep guys in front of them and make the tackle. Listen, they're going to make plays, but make the tackle. We always say no yak, right? No yards after the catch, right? They catch the ball for a 10-yard slant, boom, they're down to 10 yards, right? Um, I think that's, that's really important. From the offensive side of the ball, we've got to be able to run the ball. If we can run the ball consistently, then the passing game opens up tremendously for us. And then when you can do both, wow, you're, you're really, you're really dialed in. So, on offense, continue running the ball, uh, being being a force up front with our with our O line. <clears throat> on defense, front line of scrimmage uh, with the pass rush, stopping the run, and making sure when guys get the ball in space as receivers, um, DBs get them on the ground. How are you as a fan watching the game, either in person on the sidelines or at home? Oh, I'm a mess. <laughs> <laughs> like, we hear that more often, don't we, Jim? <laughs> I, I believe. I believe. Like I, I don't like. When people call me and like they didn't go to SC. Oh, SC is going to beat you guys. Where, where'd you go? I went to California. Why are you calling me? Like I don't. Like, like, don't call Corey. Don't text him when you beat me. Like I don't. I'm. I'm. I take it like I'm still. I'm, I take it seriously. Like, I, like it means something to me. Uh, my whole day is messed up. <laughs> we lose from my whole weekend. Uh, so I feel it. Trust me. 
I don't think you can trust a guy really if uh, if he's not getting emotional right. about yeah. a team that he used to play for in college. Alan Rossum told us last week that he no longer will stand on the sidelines because he had an experience last year or something that the ball landed right by him and he almost went out in the field. So he won't go down there anymore. He gave, gave away last week, gave his passes away to somebody else. That is so funny because I, I do that. So I'm a coach in high school for the last six years, head coach in Orange County. I do the same thing. Like the ball came to me last night. I tried to catch it. You know, one of the one of the uh, one of the receivers like ran ran a route into the into the sideline, and I literally got him just like I was going to hit the receiver. Like, Corey, what am I doing? Oh <laughs> man! Well, I'll say the same thing that I said to Alan. You, yeah, you don't want another Woody Hayes on the sideline, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Oh, that's great. Hey, we appreciate all your stories and to tell all this and be so positive, which doesn't surprise me, this early in the morning out there, I can't thank you enough again. Hey, listen, my pleasure. Anytime you guys need me, let me know. Thank, thank you for what you guys are doing and, and go Irish. Give us a score real quick. Uh, I'm, I listen, North Carolina, they have a great offense. They do. They, can they do. Bop down the mm. uh, I believe we'll be up for the challenge. It's, it's a road game. Lou Holtz always said when you go on the road, pack your special teams and pack your defense. I think we'll do that. I think we'll they'll have they'll have fourteen. We'll have thirty-eight. Book it, book it. Thanks again, Corey. Have a great day and a great weekend. Uh, uh, bless you guys. Thanks, guys. Appreciate You're welcome. We'll be right back with Dr. Brian Radigan on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, streaming at the WSBTRadio.com and through the WSBT Radio app. A little operator. If you listen to those lyrics, it kind of works into last week's call. How many phone songs are there in, oh, in American history? You wait. We will find That's out right. at the end of the show. You know me and researching <laughs> bumper music. i got to find a tie into something like that. But you've got something that's even more important. It's the ones that keep us on the air that so I can do those bumper songs. That's right. Of course, everything powered by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also brought to you by Sherwood Tire, your one-stop shop for, uh, for complete auto care at the corner of US 30 and Oak Road in Plymouth. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, serving Michiana's most favorite pizza since 1978, and Pet Refuge urging you to adopt, don't shop, where new beginnings have happy endings. And that's the signal that our favorite doctor is on board with us, the current head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish, Dr. Brian Radigan from Chapel Hill. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, guys. How are you? We're doing, doing well. we're doing really great. We've just been having some fun, or I have been. I don't know about everybody else, about playing some little uh, phone music as we've been coming back each time. There, everybody's laughing here. Whatever. I'm not sure if they're laughing at me or with me, but you know what? I I, I like to be coached hard too, so I can it, take it, it. it. It's a mix. It's a mix. <laughs> so, I'm Doc. So, yeah. Do you? Yeah. Everybody. We've been talking today. The number of guests. Uh, Corey Miner was just on, and Tyler Newsom. Everybody gets motivated differently, right? What was your motivation? Oh, um, you didn't need that kind of talk. You could motivate. Guns and, Guns and Roses was our music back nice. in the day. Yeah, okay. Nice. A long time ago. Yeah, and actually Bon Jovi, believe it or not. So now I'm real dating myself. But people, people, most people should understand. I mean, that's just talk that's heard on the football field. And, you know, so he, he kind of used it uh, there. But – Drew likes to be coached hard like that, so he was fine with it. Yeah, you, you don't mind any of that kind of stuff. It's funny how the, the media gets a hold of something like that, but if they posted the way we got talked to <laughs> back when I played, I don't know. There'd be a lot of people fired, I suppose. Before surgery, is it still Guns N' Roses and, uh, and Bon Jovi, or is it something a little lighter? 
you know, I, I always tell my patients, I try not to listen to something where I want to hurt my grandmother during surgery. So <laughs> we toned it down a little bit in the OR. I am so glad well, since he, I've had him do, he's operated on me twice. So I'm so glad that he's <laughs> in a good frame of mind. I do know his operating room is the one of the coldest ones around. Oh, they typically are. No, his, no they all of his nurses tell me his is the coldest. Oh, really? <laughs> right, Brian? You know, it's, I don't like being cold. That's the funny thing. I hate being cold. But of course. in the OR, for some reason, it is hot to me. Yeah. It's, it's cold in there to everybody else. But you put all that stuff on. That's not how I normally dress. i got to be honest. I'm not putting a gown on in my everyday living. I'm, I'm, I'm telling them, hey, get, get him whatever temperature, whatever music. Get, he wants a snack just, while he's eating. Give him whatever make, he wants. Make him as comfortable as possible. <laughs> he's got a big job ahead of him. <laughs> so what's it like you down got, there? It's supposed to be in the 70s today, light winds, I think. Um, is that what you're experiencing? Yeah, it's going to be perfect. It's going to be perfect. It's really comfortable down here. So, I, I mean, we left. It was freezing up in South Bend all of a sudden. That dropped fast. But now it's, it's beautiful here. I mean, it's really, really nice. Mid-70s. If anything, a little colder would be fine. But it's not too hot, not too cold. It's going to be no excuses because of the weather, that's for sure. What's the frame of mind that you noticed uh, on the plane or, or down there today? It seems good. They seem really focused. I mean, it, it's funny. Like, you win, but you're not dominating, right? They're still locked in. Maybe a little humbled <clears throat> still, I guess. I don't know. But these guys just want to play. They really do. They're excited about it kind of nice having the family side of things too you see the parents and the players are they're not uh not too high not too low right i think they're ready they look ready coaches are ready I mean, it's gonna be a fun game it's a good team I mean, they air it out it's gonna be who knows what the score is gonna be today so as a uh, a former linebacker what do you see that the defense has to do we know they got to contain them is, is is not as that's not gonna be simple or easy no, I, I would love to play against these guys as a former linebacker because I like the passing game. I like trying to pick a full chess match out when it comes to that. And these, I mean, obviously, this quarterback can drop a dime on the money. He's so accurate. So I think it'll be a lot of fun to watch how that pans out. Right, we got good linebackers underneath. I mean, we got good secondary. We got some really good players. I think they know how to play the pass really well. Obviously, we'll get JD back in the second half. So that'll be nice having him back. So. You get to see some young guys play. It's excited to see that, too. You don't always get that opportunity. and Sometimes the, the targeting call can never be good for your starters, but it'll be fun to see some other guys get out there. We're with uh, current head orthopedic physician for the Fighting Irish, Dr. Brian Radigan, here in the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. We didn't get to talk last week, so I did want to ask you what happened a couple weeks ago. You always told me that if I see you on TV, then things aren't good, and I saw you a couple times during that game. One, the linesman, I think, got injured and you actually were holding the yardage sign for a moment there and i called my wife over and said i see i know the yard line guy that's <laughs> you know i actually know those guys pretty well they do a lot of high school oh. games oh. so was you know my boy on connor over the years there, there are a lot of local high school refs so before the game it was a lot of fun because the guy who got knocked over actually called a targeting call the day before Oh. against a, a player for St. Joe High School. <laughs> oh, and I actually wasn't I wasn't at that game, but I still was busting his chops a little bit on it. I was giving him a hard time as if I saw I told him it was a terrible call. And he you know, the whole thing right. he was getting back at me a little bit mad. It was perfect. And he was like <laughs> over his shoulder. It was a lot of fun. And then he got laid out. He did. But he's okay. Okay. Good good. He's got a nice shot. But he hit the his eye turned around his cheek and hit the bench, his chair. Oh, oh so that's what got it. He 
fine, except he just didn't know. And he had a little bit of blood. It was one of those cuts that was bleeding worse than it really was. But the shiner in his eye, he's lucky. He's lucky. But my favorite part was when he got up, and he's getting there. And the other, my other friend, he hands it to me. He goes, here you go, Doc. It's a dream come true for you. I was like, yes, I finally made it. And I'm holding the yard. <laughs> 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 That's and what that, I thought. on the very play, was the pick six. Right. So I threw it down. I'm never doing that again. It's ruined the whole moment. <laughs> oh. It was the worst. Oh, my goodness. Oh, see, I missed yeah. talking to you last oh. week. I did not know. Oh, wow. Oh, man. I didn't know how long yeah. you had to hold it. I was wondering how long. That's why I was going to well, ask you. So now I know. Never do it again. Yeah. I'm 0 for 1. Never doing that again. But it, he's doing fine. We, it was, uh, But his buddy was giving him a hard time. Man, he got messed up. I was like, I know. So you can really tell your friends are when they're laughing at you on the sideline when you get clocked by a player. Yeah, <laughs> it was. I mean, when it happened, I thought, man, I, I think he broke something. I, I was telling my daughter because it, it didn't look good or whatever. No, I wasn't sure. But he, he actually was really, really good. He's a tough guy, obviously. A lot of those refs, they're pretty tough guys. They work out all the time. He's he's a great guy, but he, he did get popped pretty good. Nice black guy the next day, next week. Do they have a, a, a extra official that if that he when it came back was available to do that, or were they going to have to sign you up for the rest of the game after you threw it down? Yeah, I was I was signed up. I was ready to go. That's my second job. I'm ready. It pays better than my first one. Uh, pardon I fi- me. I find that a little <laughs> hard to believe, sir. He, he, he caught me there. Or whatever. I'm going to have to go back and look at those insurance bills that I've been yeah, saying. <laughs> So tell me real quick, we got about a minute or whatever. <laughs> Last time I did talk to you when you were down in Ohio State, you had told me anybody with Notre Dame uh, memorabilia on was not getting treated very nicely. How about down there in Tar Heel country? You know, I honestly haven't seen much. I'll, I'll be honest with you. We're just kind of been at the hotel, and we've been – I spent a little time with family. So, so far, so good. There's actually a lot of North Carolina State fans in our hotel. So this hotel is the same hotel we stay at when we play NC State, Wake, North Carolina, Duke. It's I mean, it's so centrally located right here with all these schools right here. That's the remarkable part of this. So we'll be here twice next year. So we got we got a pretty good home here. We're getting used to this hotel, but it's NC State all over. I haven't seen a lot of uh, anybody from North Carolina. So NC State people are they're very nice to us. They want us to beat Carolina. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So, pretty good my my wife was able to come down to this trip she oh, was great. fun so she a lot of the a lot of the wives and families come down with connor on the team so it's been fun and my daughter who's in college um over at loyola maryland she is down here with a couple of her basketball teammates mm-hmm. um so they came down just to see her you know the game so it's been kind of fun just a, a different different view for me that's for sure good family weekend family weekend all right well you root the them onto the Victory today, and uh, since your wife and family down there, I won't expect maybe a text after the game when you're bored at the airport and he texts me, makes a few comments. <laughs> Actually, on the, I'll tell you this one last little clip. On the way out here on the plane, we're all loading up, and flight attendants, we get the same flight attendants all the time. They're really great people, and they had these three big bags that I've never really seen before. I'm asking, are those the brake pads? Are this the are these are the breaks because remember that flight on the way back from Ohio State, you heard about that, right? Yep. <laughs> we didn't get to to fly out. Right. The breaks were broken. Yep. Yeah. So I was asking, are these the breaks? We're carrying these bags back, telling all the players, 
these are the breaks. We're going to be fine today. Don't worry. <laughs> we're making it home after the game. You won't you won't get a text from me at 2 in the morning saying we're still here. Oh, jeez, jeez. That's <laughs> great. All right, man. Go have a good day today. All right, guys. Thanks, Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you. You got it. We'll be right back. We're back on Legacy Hair Heating Air and Game Day Show. We'll be right back with Chicago and Fighting Irish kicker Bob Thomas and ESPN's Mike Golick Jr. on your home for Fighting Irish football, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. And there's a little bit of North Carolina music flair there to start our second hour of the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day Show. We're so glad you're with us. Matt Embry is producing here in the WSBT studios, and we're about four and a half hours from kickoff right here on WSBT. You don't have to go anywhere because immediately following game day at 12 noon, game day sports beat powered by Michelob Light will lead you into the network pregame show and then kick off at about 3.38 p.m. And your coverage is not over when the game ends because, of course, we've got our own Jim and Reggie Brooks for a review of the game plus all the stats and interviews on the official Notre Dame postgame show all on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, the WSBT Radio Sports app, and streaming at WSBTradio.com. And Matt, are we doing Twitch for audio also? Yep, we got Twitch for audio. Man, I can't keep up. I'm, I'm a guy from the old days and stuff, so too, too much electronics uh, for me. So our next guest, and we are so happy to have him. We had him on last year for the first time in my, you know, 23 years of, uh, of doing this, and we enjoyed it so much we wanted to get him back. He's also a, was a member of the 1972 Fighting Irish, which 1972 was the year, the first year that this show aired. 50 years ago, we're celebrating our 50-year anniversary on a station that's celebrating its 100th anniversary. So we're all pretty proud of that, and we're proud to have the Honorable Robert R. Thomas, known to most people as Bob Thomas. Good morning, Judge morning how you doing i'm doing i'm doing great you know judge i have a i have a short memory i asked you last year because you're due all the respect that you worked hard for and do you want to be your honor you want to be the honorable uh bob tell me what you'd prefer because you deserve it whatever you want my wife my wife says your honor take out the garbage (laughs) i got you bob is bob is fine all right all right i bet you i bet (laughs) i never thought about that our wives always get the last word in, don't they, Bob? Uh, absolutely. How long have you been married? 43 years in June. Congratu- congratulations. Yeah. And, yeah and are your She's kids are your kids around, uh, live uh, close yeah, by? I'm fortunate. I, fortunate. In fact, I'm just coming from one of the grandkids. I have nine grandkids, three kids, nine grandkids. They all live in the area, which has been great. So I'm coming from one of my daughters. Uh, granddaughter soccer games uh if you know that's loosely called a soccer game at four years old but yeah that's that's what it was I, I coached at many, many years. I coached 45 years of youth sports, and 19 of them were soccer from four, four on up through about uh, 15 or something like that. So, yeah, I, I know all about that. Um, and you and I can talk old school here uh, a little bit. Um, I am not that guy that likes the new participation trophies, and I might be that might not be like kids have to me, they got to learn how to win, they got to learn how to learn how to lose the same way. And part of my think my best job as being a coach was imparting those things, not keeping score and yeah. giving everybody a trophy to me is not the way we teach, but that's just me. No, I, I, com- 
I completely agree with you. And uh, I had the opportunity to coach five years of varsity soccer as well at my kids' high school. And, you know, you just try to, uh, you know, impart some – they always say that sports models life, right? So you have an opportunity as a coach to um, to put that into practice and teach them the importance of faith and family and fair play, but also winning is a part of that. So obviously soccer was a big part of your uh, of your life. So when did you start playing soccer? Well, my dad actually was born in Paris and went to school in Italy and came here and played in some semi-pros leagues here. He was asked to go to the Olympics. He, he was quite a good player. So when I was growing up, it, it was before soccer was on every corner, right, on mm-hmm. the park district teams and travel teams. But we had a junior team um, – when when I was in high school and I played on that and when I went to Notre Dame um, I you know I thought that I I would either end up at University of Rochester that offered me a scholarship for football and my coach uh, high school soccer coach said I you know could have a bunch of soccer scholarships but I got a postcard from era that said uh, (laughs) you're on file for possible scholarship which I didn't get till my sophomore year but I did get one once once I became the starter and um, my parents knew that that's what I really wanted to do and I'm thankful to them they said hey you know we'll take a chance you want to go to Notre Dame and that's how it happened so my last soccer game I played a couple of club games at Notre Dame freshman year because when I was a freshman at Notre Dame you couldn't play varsity and there were only three freshman football games so I played in a couple of club games Uh, soccer wasn't a varsity sport yet Um, and then uh, went home and uh, tore up my ankle once I got home playing in a soccer game and hoping it would be ready so I'd be okay to, to kick the following year at Notre Dame and that ended my soccer career right there that's something I didn't uh, actually didn't know, and I should have caught that last year when I was preparing to talk with you. You actually, your success, you were a walk-on kicker for the football team. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was a walk-on, and uh, this is very interesting. We were playing North Carolina my sophomore year, and I kicked three field goals. <laughs> and I was, not on, I was not on scholarship. Jeez. And uh, a couple of my friends that were on scholarship said, hey, why don't you call ERA and ask him for a scholarship? You just kicked three field goals that game. Mm-hmm. And I said, isn't that a little bit opportunistic? And I still remember them saying to me, well, don't you think he's opportunistic? <laughs> so I, I, called him up, I called him up and I said, you know, Coach, uh, I don't really want to bother you with this, but is there any chance I could get a scholarship? And he said to me, um, you know, we're pretty tight on scholarships. He said, maybe I can come up with a one-eighth scholarship for you. So I didn't think much about it until I didn't have a position coach. In fact, Era was my position coach. He used to like to drop kick, and we'd go out huh. early and kick against one another. So I had to call him because I had a test that was going to go late, and I was going to go late for pra- I'd be late for practice. So I called him to inform him of that, and at the end of the conversation – he says to me, uh, by the way, I put you on full scholarship. Oh, wow. That's exactly what he said. By, by, the, by way, the way. It wasn't, it wasn't, <laughs> oh, by it the wasn't way. a by the way moment for my parents. I, <laughs> I was going to say, how fast could you get to the phone to tell your parents? Oh, I know. I called them up. They were thrilled. 
Wow. I caught something else that you said there. Era sent you a postcard. <laughs> now, it now it's like umpteen texts uh, text and everything else, Jim, right? Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On file for possible scholarship. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't exactly an endorsement, you know. And yeah. I think that's how I ended up with 98. I ended up with the jersey 98, which always, was... you know, at least in those days, <laughs> you see some kickers now today. I don't know what's wrong with them, but they end up with these these high numbers and because 98 is typically a lineman uh-huh. these jerseys would come in and they you know they'd be down to my ankle It'd be huge so <laughs> when we were playing when we were playing uh, Nebraska in the Orange Bowl and it was the first and only time we had names on the back of our jerseys and I had a brand new 98 jersey that I put on for that game and put it on over my shoulder pads, and sure enough, it's down to my ankle. So I go into the training room, and I say, hey, cut the jersey. (laughs) And the trainer said, well, your name's on this jersey. I said, yeah, I know my name's on this jersey. We cut the jersey. And they said, well, you're going to ruin the jersey. I said, well, we'll hem it later, but I I can't kick with the jersey around my ankle. I I can't kick in a dress. (laughs) I cannot kick in a dress. That was it. We're visiting with former Notre Dame kicker, a member of the uh, year, the game day first aired a show in 1972, and also the 1973 national championship winning kicker, Bob Thomas on on WSBT. What was your stature at at that time? Nowadays, kickers are pretty large. We were talking to Tyler Newsom a little while ago, who was a punter. He was a kicker, then he just did punting, and he was like bench pressing like 225 and things like that nowadays. But your stature at that time being a go ahead, sorry. I was like five, nine and a half, maybe um, 175. Well, that's pretty good. Right in there. Yeah, not bad. Did you ever uh, remember playing at Notre Dame, somebody roughing the kicker pretty bad? Does anything stick out in your mind in particular? Uh the punter at Northwestern, right? Is that what you're talking about? No, you you in particular, did you get um oh, hit pretty did bad? Oh, get roughed? Yep. Yeah, I never I never got roughed. I I attempted to make a couple of tackles. There was like this <laughs> photo of us playing Purdue, and you know, I, I just like jumped up on the guy's shoulder pads. The guy carried me about ten yards. And no, Garrow, your premium, trying to throw the ball, right? Yeah, I was a little better than him, but not much. <laughs> no. So let's go into I yours. To, you know, I started to realize that the ball, you know, gathered some attention, so I just kind of stayed away from. <laughs> We've been having some fun with this. Uh, I, I have a, I have just a quick one. It's not sure. Notre Dame, but it's no, that's okay. With the Bears, and I kicked off against uh, Green Bay, and and their return man returned it for a touchdown. But Ditka was happy because we had won the game, so we'd watch the special team reel before the game, and. I was the last one in the photo chasing this guy down and scored the <laughs> touchdown. So, so Ditka tells the team, he said, you know, this is really embarrassing. Our kicker is the last one chasing this guy. He's the only one in the camera lens trying to get this guy as our kicker. And then he says, and Bob, I didn't know you were that fast. So I was feeling pretty good about myself. I walk out of the room, and I feel this big paw on my shoulder. And it was Ditka's. And he pulls me toward him and he said, one question. 
what would you have done if you caught him? <laughs> <laughs> you would have jumped on his back, too, for a little ride, right? <laughs> I think so, yeah. So we've been having a little fun with this uh, phone call that was from the booth last week. I'm assuming you watched the game or heard about heard about that. And we've just been having some fun with it. You know what? F- football players, that's how they get talked to all, all the time. But did you ever have one of those – uh, conversations uh, with a coach that uh, went that way, whether with Notre Dame or the Bears. Well, re, re, I, I didn't hear that, by the way. So oh, give me a. Oh, you didn't see it. So yeah. our quarterback Drew Pine was, you know, it was his first start, right, and had a lot of jitters and everything else, and he, he was just awful in the beginning. I think mean, he had a, a. It was not going well. No, he had like a five-yard pass that went two yards. He'd like duck shorted it. Yeah, or whatever. There were, there were a bunch of you know short passes. If he did throw it deep, it went way over everybody's and, and, head. It right. just skied it. Then um, they fumbled yeah. it. He yeah. fumbled it, and they took that on a drive and, and scored. So right after that, the cam- NBC camera flashes up to Tommy Reese. And Tommy Reese, as you can see, he's on the phone. And then split screen, they show Drew Pines on the phone, right? And you could read lips. You know what he was saying. He was using all sorts of words about something about describing how uh, he <laughs> should play the anatomy. game. Yeah, describing anatomy. Yeah, describing anatomy and how he needs to play the game and be a quarterback. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a lot well, of people have taken – go ahead. Well – now that I've heard that, you know, and I probably even saw it at the time, but I just heard 70, so maybe I forgot about it by now. But, but anyway, <laughs> I, now that I've heard that, you know, I'm, I'm glad that that happened because you just think about the dynamic of this coaching staff coming to this team, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're there at least in part because the players wanted them. Correct. If we're to believe that the players had some type of a uh, influence on Swarbrick and he's the best, you know, Freeman's the best guy and we want all these guys. So it's a different dynamic than most. And I think a, a little harder maybe for coaches to have that disciplinary hard attitude, right? Because, hey, we're all in it together. I'm here because of you. We're all friends. So I think that that shows me that they're getting there, right? They're realizing right. that there has there has to be a differentiation between the coaching staff and the uh, and the players. So I don't think that's a bad thing. No, and he and Drew said afterwards, he says, "I like to be coached hard," and I've told Coach Reese that before. Well, it worked because he was fourteen of fifteen after that. Yeah, just yeah, and people are motivated different ways. You asked if it happened to me, uh, not with Era. Uh, it did happen with Ditka. I mean, I when I <laughs> that would be expected. Him, I mean, he, was, <laughs> he was very emotional. We were in Tampa, and I missed a field goal, and apparently he thought my head came up, which probably was not the case. But he decided to show me that it went up by grabbing my face mask and jacking my head down about ten times, hmm. pulling on it, and. Uh, you know, I start thinking, you know, I'm in my 30s. I mean, how long am I going to let a guy just kind of <laughs> rip my head apart? And then, then, you know, we got the ball back, and I kicked a long field goal, and he threw me up in the air like we won the Super Bowl. So, yeah. Uh, so I thought, well, maybe I'll stick around a little longer. Short <laughs> memories, short memories, right? Hey, this is the Legacy Heating yeah. Air Game Day show as we spend some time with the Honorable Judge Robert Thomas, or as many people know him as uh, Bob Thomas. Um so, Sugar Bowl game. I can still remember that day, you know, I was 
God, I was somewhere with my parents riding the elevator and then turning on. I think Howard Cosell was in a tux and everything else. So I'm dating myself. I remember it quite well. Winning kick was coming up. Anything said yeah. to you at the end of the game you know, when it was time to, for the winning kick to be set up? No, what I remember most about that, you know, AstroTurf then was like a, you know, a little bit of carpet on concrete, right? <laughs> it was different then. In fact, and, and I can't find the shoe, I wish I did, Puma had given the whole team gold shoes with blue stripes, and, and everybody had to take them off before the game because they weren't right for the traction because it had rained all night mm-hmm. in Tulane Stadium. And, but he let me keep it on because I was kicking at it uh, for the week. And uh, I don't know, I think my dad lost the shoe, which is a sad thing. But anyway, <laughs> um, th- there was an extra point, and what I remember most is uh, Brian Doherty dropped a snap. He was the punter and, and my holder and still a good friend to this day. So every single time I had kicked in the past, he would say, you know, no problem, Bob, chip shot, you got this, right? And then he'd take a knee and we'd get the snap. So. We're going out there for a kick that could mean winning or losing the national championship, and he does not say one word. Uh-oh. Not a word. Uh, and, and I'm saying, and he'll tell the story, and he'll say, and I think this is true. He said, I said, say it. And he doesn't say anything. I said, <laughs> say it. I like grab and say, say it. So he, I don't know if he ever said it. I can't remember if he said it or not. But, you know, the kick went through. It was ugly, but it went through. Hey, that's and, what counts. Uh, and uh, and and I said to Doherty, what was that all about? And he goes, hey, I had dropped a snap. I was just worrying about what I had to do. I wasn't caring what you had to do. <laughs> you know, so that, yeah, carry your, carry your own problem. <laughs> I remember that, and I remember that some guy caught the kick that was the ball and that was not even a Notre Dame fan and came to the locker room and gave it to Era, and Era gave him another ball and I think some jerseys. Wow. And then I, re- I remember being, at, you know, I was one of the last to leave the locker room, and Era was sitting in the front of the bus, and I remember asking Era if we were going to get rings. And he said yes. That's great. So we got rings. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Wow. It, it was great. Let me turn a little bit to the, you've already said I had a couple stories about the Bears, but you did kick at a, at a, a few other teams or cities, whatever. What made it so different to be in, in Chicago versus playing in those other towns or teams uh you know i was fortunate because kickers bounced around and i was with the bears from 75 you know through 84 just with a brief two games uh strike shortened season uh which i got a quick story about that if you want absolutely um we, I, I, I was with the bears and neil armstrong was the coach and i had a hamstring pull and they brought somebody else in guy's name was John Rivetto and I was well at the end of the year but they didn't cut him and Armstrong says to me you're my kicker next year because Rivetto really didn't do that well then Ditka came in the following year they cut me and kept Rivetto he was the younger guy and the Detroit kicker walked out of camp Eddie Murray right before the first game which happened to be against the Bears <laughs> So How appropriate. I, so I played with the I, I played Lions against the Bears. I told the Lions everything I knew about, you know, <laughs> been there so long and the training camp and 
we win the game, and I, you know, I kick a field goal. We get a game. I get a game ball. We go to the second game. We play the Los Angeles Rams, and I kick four field goals, including two long ones, and I get the game winner. The, the guy that the Bears kept is missing everything. <laughs> so then there's a strike for nine years, or nine weeks, rather. Mm-hmm. Strike for nine weeks, and uh, I get a call. Uh, now I'm out of football. They brought Eddie Murray back you know, the regular kicker, and I'm out of football. So I get a call from Don Pearson, the uh, beat writer at the time for the Bears, and he said, uh, hey, uh, Ditka just had a press conference. He said that uh, they're bringing back another kicker. Everybody's going to know who it is. And he said, and this kicker hasn't missed yet this year, and you're the only guy who fits that category. So I wait Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I never get a call. So I call up Mary, his secretary, and, and say, you know, hey, Mike had said this. She goes, well, let me go talk to Mike. And she comes back, and she said, Ditka says, hang loose, whatever that means. <laughs> yeah, so, right. So, so I don't kick that week, and the Bears are playing the St. Louis Cardinals, or St. Louis at the time, the St. Louis Cardinals, and – they are uh, the game isn't televised because it was a strike shortened season and it wasn't sold out. So my brother in law calls from the south side of Chicago, who actually says we're picking up the game in a bar from South Bend. Oh. So there is a connection. Hey. There. So so my wife and I, and then I only had one child. He was <clears> one year a uh, one year old, um, Brendan. We go down to this bar on the south side. So I walk in and. Everybody around the bar is sitting at the bar stools. There's no seats. At that time, it's not big screen TV. There's one, like, 19-inch TV in the corner of the bar by the bar, and there's some tables in the back. So we go to the back of the bar, and I could hear the game, and Roberto misses one field goal. He misses a second field goal. Jeez. The score is 10 Ten to seven, and he's lining up to tie the game with no time left on the clock. I grab my son and my wife. I go stand underneath this TV, and I am leaning against some guy who has twelve light beer bottles in front of him. <laughs> so Rivetto misses the kick. I'm the only guy in the place that is very happy that he missed. <laughs> So, so the guy I'm leaning against looks up at the TV and he goes, "We let that one jerk go for this jerk." Oh! <laughs> and my wife said, "Here's the first jerk." <laughs> so now there's a at least a, I don't know if it's still there, but they wanted an autographed picture and it was in the bar. And the next week I was back with the beer. That's a great story. That is a great story. Oh my goodness gracious! And, and, and to answer your question directly, well then. Uh, the next year, Butler came in. He was a fourth-round draft pick. Uh, Ditka, this is one of, they put his Ditka's famous, 25 fam- most famous quotes. And they asked him after, he was a fourth-round draft pick, right? And I, and, but Ditka told me, he said, you had such a good year, this guy would have to. He said, I didn't make the pick. It must have been made by the general manager. Mm-hmm. I didn't make the pick. He said, I'm picking the kicker. He'd have to you know, knock your socks off to take your job. Well, I get cut at the end, and this was Ditka's quote that they still rate as one of the top 25 of all time. They said to Ditka, said, you know, you let Thomas go, and did he beat, did uh, Butler beat him out? And Ditka says, no, he didn't. And he said, well, 
you said that he'd have to not only beat him out, but clearly beat him out to take his job. And Ditka's quote was, I lied. that was it i lied oh my goodness gracious uh i ended up in san diego for the year had a good year uh they re-signed me but i asked for my release because benerska was coming back and i thought you know he was their longtime kicker and then i ended up with the giants i played in the first game but i tore my ankle up right before the first game Mm. and they went to the super bowl and won in 86 so i missed out on two super bowls oh geez it's all about the relationships you know looking back I mean, I, I was truly blessed to play 12 years in the league. Well, and we're blessed that you took the time to spend with us. I know you got things going on with your grandkids today. 20 minutes goes goes fast, but I always appreciate you having you on. One of these days I'm going to get you on with well, John me, Carney. Me, I'm going to get a kicker me, show. We're going to have a kicker show. You, John Carney, and – yeah. Say hello to John for me. I'll do that. I'll by, do that. You have a good day. By the way, when, when – can I tell you one other thing? When you're watching your granddaughter's, your four-year-old granddaughter's soccer game that lasts an hour, an hour does not go fast. <laughs> you got that right. I know that. I know that. Well, go enjoy it. Take care. Right, thanks a lot. We'll be right back with Mike Golick Jr. for ESPN. No one's answering the phone, Jim. What if what if Drew didn't pick up that phone when when Tommy called him? We're up to five now, right? Is that it? I, I think we're up to five. Yeah, now. yeah. I'm I'm gonna cut it loose. I just couldn't. Drew, I, Drew probably would have, still probably would have taken that call. So I think I think so, because that's why he gets motivated and that's stuff right. too. And how we get motivated is by our sponsors. That's right. Uh, legacy uh, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day, of course, a uh, Cook family business. Also uh, brought to you by Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. I know that guy. Hmm. Uh, for amazingly great rates on auto, home, and life insurance, call Tim at 574-232-9981. Michelob Ultra, locally distributed by United Beverage Company. Michelob Ultra, the superior light beer with only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. The Orthopedic and Sports Medicine Center, OSMC, providing orthopedic care to Michiana since 1973, and Imperial Furniture in Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. And here's somebody that's always nice to take my call or my text every year. We try to have them on every year. Everybody loves to hear them, and everybody knows the name, Mike Golick Jr., and former offensive lineman, and he does a little bit of everything, and we're going to find out exactly what he's doing now with DraftKings and stuff, too. Hey, Mike, good morning. Morning. What's going on, guys? Hey, we're having a good day here. So tell the fill, fill us all in. What's going on? You joined DraftKings. You have a daily podcast. Let's fill in the audience. What's going on with you? Yeah, a little bit of everything. So the podcast is Gojo. You can check that out wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, all that fun stuff. Um, we're there Monday through Friday, five days a week, hour and a half. Me and former Notre Dame defensive lineman Brandon Newman, who was in my class when we were there together as teammates, now getting to team up for this. You can also check us out, the DraftKings YouTube channel there as well. And then uh, on the weekends now, I get to go on the road with Learfield Audio and call their college football Saturday night game, the national broadcast of the week on radio there that people can check out on their Varsity app as well as on over 130 stations around the country. We are down in Norman, Oklahoma uh, this weekend. we got Kansas State at OU, which is nice, uh, familiar for me, for fans of Notre Dame who remember that 2012 game. It was the last time I was down here in Norman when we came down and handed the Sooners one of the very few losses that they uh, have suffered at home here. So definitely nice to be back. Are you getting to go to different uh, cities and see teams that you never thought you'd be covering before? 
Yeah, that part of it's been cool. And, and calling college games, which I was doing at ESPN for the last few years, too, is just nice because, like you said, I, there's some places. Last week we were out in uh, Seattle. I got to go to Washington and check out their game against Michigan State. I had never been out there. So to get to see and experience those game day atmospheres at all these different colleges and spots that I had never got to go as a player has been pretty cool. That's a pretty neat stadium setting out there, isn't it, in Washington? The great, they have earned the, the greatest setting as the nickname. I thought it was a little wordy, mm-hmm. but definitely well-earned. Beautiful by the water there, awesome-looking stadium, and they were rocking. I mean, you know, get to upset the then number 11 team in the country, and life's feeling pretty good for Kalen DeBoer and company. So what are you seeing out there, you know, looking at other teams and stuff? Do you think there's, there's more good teams, more parity out there? What, what, what's your intuition telling you? Well, I, and listen, I've had a lot of Pac-12 to start the season, and okay. so I, I've been maybe more dialed in on that conference than I usually have been. And I just think in general we're at a year where because USC has been better earlier than most people expected, you're going to have more people automatically paying attention to what goes on to that conference. Utah was a part of a big non-conference game week one going on the road to Florida, and Florida wins at home in the swamp and gets us all hot and bothered with how that went. And I think uh, I think what it's going to lead to though is between Washington getting that out of conference win before we started conference play, between Utah still being highly ranked and losing early, which we've seen time and time again, is what you want to do in yeah, college absolutely football. Right. A playoff yeah. contender who's going to have a blemish. So we're going to get to a stretch in November where Washington, Oregon, and Utah all have a little bit of a round robin there in a couple of weeks, and I think it's going to be really informative for. One, you know, what Southern Cal's competition looks like in the conference, but also we'll give the Pac-12 some good juice heading into November, heading into when the college football playoff committee starts to really dial in on these games. And so I think that's been probably the most interesting just because you had so much of the news this summer about USC and UCLA leaving the Pac-12. You've got UCLA kind of tied up in some drama with that now, but so much of the stuff on the field is starting to draw eyes back to this conference in a positive way. This is Game Beyond WSBT with former Notre Dame player Mike Golick Jr. So since you have your kind of ear to the ground, let's get your feeling on a number of topics. So where's this super conference thing going to go? What's going to happen to the pack and the Big 8, Big 10, whatever? Uh, we know where the Big 10 and SEC is at, but the other conferences, are they going to all form into another large one? What's your feel? Um, I mean, I think eventually we're going to have, like, you know, I think the stuff that everyone's always whispered about for years is, probably within range now the next five or ten years that one super conference that looks like a champions league or you know a premier league whatever you want to liken it to the like european soccer you'll have 40 teams in one big bushel that'll probably break away from the ncaa model it'll be more nfl junior it'll be what everyone's talked about i don't think that's the end of the world either i think there'll be plenty of good about that it'll stink to lose some of the regional rivalries and we've already you know Mm -hmm. seen that down here everyone's dealing with Bedlam being uh, discontinued for, you know, until further notice and all the hard feelings about that. But um, I think for the other teams, it'll be kind of an interesting, an interesting opportunity because, and Matt Brown, who does an awesome uh, newsletter called extra points that looks into the business of college football has talked about in the FCS right now, in the group of five, what you're doing is you're seeing a lot of places lean into regional rivalries as the basis for conference realignment. And Mm -hmm. so I think for, the conferences that are left right now, the Pac-12 and the Big 12, they're going to be fine. The Big 12 got ahead of this last year when they dealt with these problems. They're bringing on some quality programs. Mm-hmm. The Pac-12 is probably going to survive in the interim because I don't think 
really the SEC and the Big Ten are going to be open to business until Notre Dame decides if they're going to do something. Right, right. And so everyone else is going to sit tight for right now. But I think as we go forward here, it is an interesting opportunity to keep an eye on who's going to lean into, as most of big college football goes business and national, who's going to lean into local and traditional and try and still capitalize on a fan market that's probably there for what that offers you. You mentioned uh, Notre Dame and conferences and – what do you make of Notre Dame being the only school mentioned in the Big Ten deal with Fox, CBS, and NBC? Makes sense. Notre Dame is money. Like, we look and see blue and gold. Every conference commissioner, every person that's involved with making these kind of decisions looks at Notre Dame and sees money and television eyeballs, and it showed up. Yeah, I mean, look at the numbers for the Notre Dame-Ohio State game week one. Like, the, the formula hasn't changed, and even right now as Notre Dame struggles a little bit on the field to start the season, I mean, when we did this conference realignment talk to begin with, Florida State, North Carolina, schools that hadn't been truly top-end good in a while were still brought up as valuable brands because that's what this is. Mm -hmm. And so I totally understand that. I think it's good business by both sides. I mean, NBC is a part of that deal with the Big Ten Network, or the Big Ten. They've obviously been a great TV partner for Notre Dame for a long time. So it made perfect sense to me that these people, these savvy business people involved, would look and say, well, yeah, we want to keep this open because we all stand to make a lot more money if this does go down that right. path potentially. So I wasn't surprised by that at all. It seemed like the, pre- the prudent thing to do. Do you think uh, Notre Dame can get the kind of money that they would, you know, can they get it independently if, you know, as opposed to if they were to join up with the Big Ten or, you know, fill in conference here? Yeah, I think so. I think based on what we saw at ESPN turn down money-wise for the, you know, B2C list of Big Ten games in that package that they said no to. Once we saw that value for 13 of those second-tier Big Ten games, I'm like, right. 17, seven Notre Dame home games a year is going to be worth a pretty penny. And I think because of the expanded playoff, too, now if you're at, you know, forget Notre Dame who can look at that and say, you've got a viable path to the playoff every year when you've got 12 teams and six at-large bids. If you're a TV provider who wants to say, hey, we've got a team in college football playoff contention, if we're going to be the one that broadcasts their home games, that becomes a lot easier sell for them. So I think everyone involved, a lot of the way this is shaken out has shook out in a way that's going to keep Notre Dame independent until the next real big round of alignment, at least in my mind. So we're with Mike uh, Golick Jr. So I'm keeping on these different topics right now, and I hope you don't mind. We'll talk some Irish football in a little bit, but uh, how about your thoughts on Transfer Portal and NIL? Pick whichever direction you want to go in either one. Um, I mean, listen, all net positives. I'm, I'm a former player. The, the reason I cover this sport is trying to make sure I do right by the players. So all the adults who have, for a long time, myself included, been able to profit off the stuff that these players have been doing, mm-hmm. we can all figure it out. And it's just a lot of new happen all at once. And so we've got to allow time for everyone to get better at it. The thing I point to is, in a very different way, the targeting rules that have been around for a decade now. Right. We look and people freaked out when this first happened. And people still don't like it all the time, but I'll always point out to people, if you look around, officials have gotten better yes. at going right. out and diagnosing this in real time, have gotten better at reviewing mm-hmm. it quickly. They needed time to work out this system because there's still human beings running it who are dealing with a lot of change all at once. That's exactly what we've got going on right now with coaching staffs, NIL, and the transfer portal is they got all this change dumped in their laps pretty early on. And again, they're well compensated to go out there and figure out how to navigate this, but it doesn't mean that figuring out how to navigate this is any less difficult. And so 
I'm allowing for that. I'm allowing for players to figure out the best way to go about this for them. It's a lot of change on their side, too. Kids have to grow up way faster than I did in the recruiting process now. You have to be a young business person if you're going to be a top-end recruit at this point. And so... For me, it just always goes to, I hope that the universities, as this becomes more normal, start making sure that they get the resources in the hands of the players as early on as they can so that you can have access to a lawyer to help you look over contracts so you can get the information about what to look out for if you're choosing an agent. All these things that are a new part of the process for everyone, but especially new for the players who are the most vulnerable section of the population in this ecosystem right now. So the big question, if NIL was around when you were playing back here in South Bend, would it? Would you like to be uh, sponsored or connected to pizzas from Rocco's, burgers from CJ's, or wings from Buffalo Wild Wings? <laughs> hey, listen, man, why not all of them is my thought process. Here. Let's throw, let's You're throw talk, Mark, spoken Mark like Mark a true offensive there. lineman. That's right. <laughs> Hey, the Notre Dame offensive line made out like bandits when this thing first popped off. I think they had every male of the week sponsored. So <laughs> I'm happy. I, listen, I lived right in Irish Crossings, and so walking to Martin's side door wasn't out of the question. Oh, I was wow. over there for lunch all the time. And so if you could have me not paying for the side door anymore, uh-huh. be in business. Done. Sign me up. My, my guess was you weren't hitting the salad all the time. You know what? I was more of a stir-fry guy. Yeah, I, I go. really enjoyed that, you know. <laughs> The build, the build your own sandwich station, all the I wanted variety is the spice of life. And while I'm not proud of the amount of Martin sushi that I ate, I still <laughs> contend that it did a very serviceable job there for my college taste. You, you know what? For for it being so easy to just pick up, it's really not bad sushi. I'm right there with you. No, that, exactly. No people people give it a bad name because they think Indiana and sushi probably shouldn't be word association. I beg to differ. I don't. People don't understand me. I don't like sushi, but I like chicken gizzards <laughs> with hot oh. sauce. <laughs> so huh. go figure. Interesting. My wife says never buy Everyone's anything. Everyone's got their own thing. Yeah, my, my wife says never buy anything that's sold at a uh, gas station. <laughs> that's where you find chicken <laughs> oh. gizzards, right? Okay. Hey, let's get off See, of that. You know what? I, I would definitely disagree with that, especially when you get south of the Mason-Dixon, because there's someone who got to spend a lot of time in Mississippi last year calling games. Some of the best food I had was at Mississippi gas stations around uh, Oxford. So that one I will push back on. There yep. is great chicken on a stick down there. I push back to my wife all the time on that, but she, <laughs> she won't budge. She's not going in there to get any food. In any case, let's talk about going on right now. I know you're you're a big fan of Harry Heastand and stuff. So um, working out the little kinks and stuff with uh, some different replacements and stuff, what are you seeing on the offensive line? Uh, I mean, listen, the stuff Harry's teaching takes time. And I think that's the biggest thing that I didn't account for because he's, in my mind, the best offensive line coach in college football. And I understand that there's a bunch of bias that comes with that, but I think you can point to what he's produced in the past and say that pretty strongly. But he asks a lot of you technically in a way that most college coaches simply will not attention to detail-wise. And so these guys are being held accountable in a different way. They're being asked to do technique that – I can remember my fifth year senior year was Harry's first year at Notre Dame and it takes a while and it takes a lot of reps to go out there and try and execute the technique that he is asking you to do. And so you could see it finally in the Cal game. A lot of that stuff was starting to take hold again. A lot of that stuff was starting to show up on tape in a way that it hadn't. So I was really encouraged by what that game looked like. And I think it's going to be a big building block to finally turn on some tape and say, guys, this is what happens. Cal knew we wanted to run the ball. You knew we wanted to run the ball. We were still able to go out there and do it effectively. 
So now that we've got reps of that, you have a great opportunity against North Carolina team that doesn't really stop people on the ground very well to go out here and continue to add that to what we're building. So what are you looking at today's game? Obviously, most of us all agree we can't get in a shootout. So looking to establish that run and taking some time off the clock to keep them off the field? As basic as that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's going to have to look a lot like the Ohio State game, I think, general game plan-wise. But it's also got to open up some. I mean, Drew came out and played about as nervous as you could at quarterback, which I understand given how much this matters to him. He's someone who I honestly looked at and said, oh, that's just me if I had played quarterback, right? He's not the most talented kid in the world. Mm -hmm. He grew up in Connecticut, loves Notre Dame football, wears 10 because of Brady Quinn. Like, I empathize a lot with that situation. As someone who is a career backup and then got to start playing late in my career, I remember those first couple of starts. And you finally got in a hold of the thing that matters most to you in the world. And there's a lot of pressure that comes with that. And for him, he's playing quarterback. I was playing backup center. He's playing quarterback for the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And mm-hmm. so I think we'll see him calm down. Tommy Reese was trying to get to a lot of easy things to get him going. And I think they'll go back and lean on that. But, yeah, they, they can't make this a shootout. Drake Man on the other side is probably one of the more underrated quarterbacks in the country. You know, North Carolina, just because they've had some scares and, and you know, haven't quite lived up to some of the lofty preseason expectations as early as people expected. It's a lights-out offense. You know, if Josh Downs is back out there on the field, they've got one of the most electric receiving options in the country. But their quarterback's a playmaker, and he doesn't do that with a ton of protection. You know, his offensive line is not giving him a ton of time. And so he's going to make plays. It's just Notre Dame's problem this year has been imbalance you know, football-wise, so the offense is three and out so much or stalling so much that the defense, as well as they've played in certain stretches, is going to give up yards and give up points at some point, right? We know we're still thin in the middle. We know we've still been run on a little more than people would want between the 20s, but if the offense can start to go up there and churn out clock and actually string together some lengthy drives, now I think we get our defense in better positions to stop some of those big plays and keep this from being a game that's up near the over like North Carolina has been every week. And keep Chris Tyree in there. It was kind of perplexing for most of the fans trying to figure out the first two games. He only had like six touches both games, and then he had 20-some last week. And lo and behold, his game turned out. Yeah, you know what? It's one of those things, too, that early on in the season, new personnel every year, you're trying to do things to get everyone involved here. You've got, you know, Lorenzo Styles. You've got the rest of this running back room that you're trying to keep set. You've got a quarterback in Tyler Buckner who you were trying to make sure you did right by to get him going. And so you can understand, I, I think, how some of that stuff happens early. But there's no doubt. And we heard Tommy Reese when he addressed the media that they were, he was someone they were going to try and make sure they continue to be purposeful about involving going forward. And we saw that pay off. And I think we'll continue to see that pay off because as this thing's got to be low and slow, a lot of the things that Chris Tyree does as a player, his availability in the screen game, gadget plays, stuff he can do in the slot so you can get two backs on the field, all of it plays really well into what Notre Dame's got to be offensively right now while your wide receiver room is as young and thin as it is and while your quarterback is the backup that's learning to be a starter. As usual, you make great points and good observations. That's why we like to have you back every year. You go have a great call today. Tell us again about your podcast and uh, being with DraftKings in 30 seconds. Yep, again, yeah. Download Gojo wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, Download, subscribe, rate, review. Check out the DraftKings YouTube channel. We're on there as well. And then you can listen on the Varsity app or wherever you get Learfield Audio. To us on the call uh, tonight, 8 o'clock Eastern, 7 Central for Oklahoma and Kansas State. Going to be a great one. Go Irish, Mike. Take care. Thank you. (laughs) Go Irish. Thanks, guys. Stay with us. We're back after a short break on Sports Radio 960 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. 
Uh, Jim's, I don't know. I can't tell your expression whether you like my picks or whether you're thinking they're, I'm not sure. What are you thinking there? I, Call me! I I, th- I think it's more just how, how Blondie just came blasting through my headphones at a volume I was not expecting. Wake up, wake I, up! I was just, wow. Oh, wow, I keep the headphones way too high. That is the last of my... <laughs> Phone-related calls. Okay. Take it away, man. What do you got? Uh, Legacy Heating and Air Game Day brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, a Cook family business. Also by Lozier. Launch your career at Lozier. Apply today at lifeatlozier.com. Pella Windows. Replacing your windows or doors can be intimidating, but Pella makes it easy. And by Hotel Elkhart. Welcome to an Elkhart original with Hospitality Reimagined, your home on game day weekends. Let's see. The time machine. The time tunnel. Time after time, I can name all the bunch of movies and t- TV shows who have released. Really I mean, there's do. multiple time after times. Even. <laughs> I mean. Hey, real, real quick before we hit our final break here. So this is just representative of, of what Notre Dame and uh, uh, North Carolina have been over the last 15 years, some of these scores. 45, North Carolina 26. Notre Dame 50, North Carolina 43. Notre Dame 33, North Carolina 10. I'd like to have that today. That wouldn't be bad. Last uh, year, Notre Dame 44, North Carolina 34. That is not going to work this year. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what? We got to keep them, both teams around 30, or at least them in the, uh, no more than 30. And that's asking a lot for us to get 31 or 32. But what are you thinking, real quick? I, uh, I, I, th- I think the running game has to take control of the game. Uh, that'll keep North Carolina's defense on the field, which, you know, <laughs> they stink anyway. But uh, also uh, gives your defense more time to rest and be able to withstand the assault that North Carolina can can uh, can put out as far as offense goes. So uh, the run game's definitely got to be big today. Drew Pine has to, has to start out, you know, from the jump, you know, good. You know, it can't be, you know, missing everything high and wide or low. You're right. Um, and also... Uh, yeah, JT Bertrand. I wonder how that's going to affect the defense in the first half. Yep, targeting so. out for the first half, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. We will all see shortly here. We'll be right back to give her some information on our next show. And the show goes fast every week. Jim and I want to thank you for taking your time to listen to us. Big kudos here to Matt Embry in the studio for producing and our engineer, Bob Henning. And a big, large thank you to all of our guests for taking time out of their busy weekend to join us. Don't go anywhere. WSBT's Notre Dame coverage continues right after the breaks. It's the details, X's and O's about today's matchup on Game Day Sports Beat, powered by Michelob Ultra. Immediately following Sports Beat, it's the Notre Dame Network pregame show, followed by kickoff just after 3.38 p.m. And then please join Jim and Reggie Burks for the official Notre Dame postgame show right after the game. Next week is a bye week, so enjoy your non-Notre Dame weekend, but please plan to join us October 8th. We'll be on 2 to 4 p.m., Scheduled guests include former Notre Dame and New York Giant tight end Derek Brown and former Irish and Kansas City Chiefs offensive lineman Tim Grunhard. Plus many more as we head, the Irish head to Vegas, baby, to face BYU. For Jim Irizarry, this is Tim Growl. We hope you enjoy a great weekend with an Irish win. Thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show on your home for fighting Irish football, Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Go Irish! 
Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 